0: Well, Merry Christmas. How are you doing? You doing good? Good, I'm so glad that you're here. We wanna have kind of an interactive service, this service. So I want you to pull out your cell phones. You get to pull out your cell phone in church. It's great, you know? We like for you to do that anyway because we have an app on there that has the sermon notes and all of that. You can always look at that. But I want you to turn on the little flashlight part, okay? Turn on the flashlight part and then kind of put it down against your, your leg. And I'm gonna ask you some questions, and what I want you to do is, these are pretty easy to start with, okay? So I want you, if the answer is yes, I want you to lift your phone up, okay? How many of you would rather be here than at the outlet mall right now? I'm not gonna ask who wants to be at the outlet mall, all right? Um, How many of you have finished all your Christmas shopping? Wow, look at us, yeah. How many of you are going to go shopping right after this service? Yeah, okay, I knew there was going to be some. That was like mostly all guys, though, you know. It's like I used to do that. I would go on to Walmart, you know, on Christmas Eve late, and there was only like desperate-looking guys there. And uh, Laura told me that didn't count. So I, her family's kind of a gift-giving family, you know. So it, it, I don't do that anymore. Um, how many of you like it when it's this cold at Christmas? All right. How many of you... Wish if it was going to be this cold that it would just go ahead and snow. Yeah, that's what I. How many of you, like me, would rather just be on a beach somewhere? And we just go to Cancun or something, right? How many of you been good this year? How many of you are lying in church right now? <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, a couple of Christmases ago, I was telling some of you out, out in the lobby that uh, I was talking to this little boy and I said, You've been good? And he goes, All year I've been good. And his dad goes, this is the pastor. And he said, well, not really all that good. <laughs> not like Santa Claus. I'm not Santa, you know. It's like, okay. But keep your phones. Turn the flashlight off, okay? I'm going to ask you some tougher questions. We're going to get a little deeper in a few minutes.
1: I love all the traditions of Christmas, don't you? The trees, the lights, the music of Christmas. And one of those traditions that's kind of falling away a little bit now because of social media but I love the Christmas cards don't you guys love that to get those cards from somebody you haven't heard from in a year and they send you a little love note at Christmas and just the you know the Perfect snowy scene on the front of it, and it's cut just right, and it has the the perfect scripture inside, or the perfect sentiment inside. Sentiment, so like I said, cinnamon inside. The sentiment inside. Cinnamon um, sounds good too. Yeah, but I, but I just love that, and they're you know maybe they have the the beautiful family photo on the front, right? The one that's not really how your family is but you put that on there on the christmas card and i feel like that's
0: most of instagram (laughs)
1: life's not not usually that perfect right Last year, after Christmas, we were together with all of our family, Mark and I and the kids and the grandkids. And because that doesn't happen very often, I thought we need to have a family picture made because we're all here together. So we made an appointment with a photographer. We were in Northern California and it was freezing that day. And we went out to the park to take family photos and everybody did great. We took, you know, all of us together and each family separately. And then right before we were finished, I said, Oh, we should take a picture of just Mark and I with the grandkids because I would love to have that. Well, by that time, I mean, most of the grandkids were. Done. We're done with family photo opportunity and uh, but we did it anyway and Zoe who at the time was 6 she was old enough to to keep going and so she stood there with this big smile on her face and and the sm- youngest one Lyle had just turned 1 and so we were trying to distract him and get him to look at the camera so his parents were dangling out these beads in front of him and he's reaching for the beads trying to get out of Mark's arms and then there was Owen who was 4 And he was totally done with it. So we had, you know, Mark and I standing there smiling, Zoe's smiling, Lyle's trying to get out of Mark's arms and get the beads, and this is Owen. (laughs) And I just love it. It's my favorite Christmas photo. And we're going to give him a hard
0: time the whole rest of his life about it, (laughs) I'm sure. That's
1: true. But it just perfectly depicted all three of the kids and who they are, and it's my favorite family photo. But you know, Christmas isn't always perfect, right? Our lives aren't always perfect. And we know that Christmas isn't just about presents and good food. It's not even just about somebody's birthday or reenacting the nativity like we see so often. Listen to what the Bible says in Isaiah 9:6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. That's Christmas, right? But you know, along with the tidings of joy and good cheer that very first Christmas, also was ushered in with suffering and sorrow when Jesus came into the world. That first Christmas wasn't all neat and tidy and perfect. After centuries of God's people waiting and hoping and longing and sighing and praying and not feeling like God was listening or answering to them, suddenly the voice of God joined the voice of humanity as this baby's wail woke up into the night. That's the story of Christmas. And you know, the last few years, they've been kind of hard, right? I mean, we had this pandemic collectively. We experienced a kind of grief through that. And I know many of us have experienced a deep personal grief just in this last year. And the holidays, you know, it can bring up all that ache again, right? That pain, the wrenching loss that you feel. Maybe it's just the memories Maybe it's the, the focus on that empty chair that's there this year. And we feel that hole left behind. But I want you to know that that hole that come to your heart as the result of a searing loss can become a sacred space for the story of Christmas, the comfort that Christmas brings this year. Thirteen years ago, I had a Christmas like none I'd had before, That summer, I'd been diagnosed with stage three colorectal cancer. And the doctors used words like serious and critical and we'll do what we can. And they didn't make any promises because they couldn't. Statistics said I had a 50-50 chance of living five years. And so together with my family, with our friends, we kind of stepped into this uh, wading pool of grief. And I remember that Christmas, everything just seemed to be colored by that grief. You know, everywhere I went and everything I looked at. And and I wondered, you know, would I actually live to see the next Christmas? Would I see my kids graduate from college? Would I see my girls get married? Would I ever know my grandchildren? And it was a time that was so hard and so full of grief and wondering... If, I just felt kind of consumed by the reality of the frailty of life. But the interesting thing I found is in the midst of that suffering and sorrow, I also felt more fully alive, more fully human than I'd ever felt before. Suddenly, all those things that really matter, I mean, they came in clear focus. Those things that, that you really want to spend your time and you want to spend your, your effort about those things came into a really clear focus. The truths of scripture seemed to seek deeper into my heart, even while the tears were falling down my cheeks. And and God used the story of Christmas that year to turn my hopelessness into hope and to turn my grief into peace. I think for the first time in my life, I experienced Christmas Jesus, God with us, God with me. Matthew 1:23 says the virgin will conceive a child she will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel which means God is with us That year I met the Jesus who came down into the brokenness and mess of our world into the brokenness of my life and I understood for the first time who he was that he had experienced sorrow just like I was, that he had experienced brokenness, that he had experienced the betrayal of friends. He'd experienced the death of his stepfather and his siblings. He'd experienced ridicule and misunderstanding and hurt. He was the Jesus who was more aware of suffering than I ever would be. He was the Jesus who had experienced a silence that I would never experience as he went to the cross and felt that his father had forsaken him. Before that year, in my mind, Christmas Jesus was a smiling, happy little baby with a halo in place, and the shepherds and the wise men had come to offer their gifts to him. But that Christmas, I discovered who Christmas Jesus really was the one who stepped into the reality of the blood, sweat, and tears of humanity, what it means to be on this planet and live a human life. And the thing is, I found an intimacy with God that I had never experienced before. And honestly, I wouldn't trade that suffering for anything in the world. I would never want to go back. The real Christmas Jesus He grew up to turn over tables on people who were taking advantage of the poor. The real Christmas Jesus would offend and challenge those in power and those with a religious authority. He would calm stormy seas, he would walk on stormy seas. He would weep openly over the death of his friend and over the death in the world. He would defend widows and orphans and women. And he would become troubled enough that in the Garden of Gethsemane, he would sweat drops of blood. I found that Christmas Jesus, the one who came to be with us, shows us what it means to be fully human.
0: And the truth is, at Christmas time, in a very, very broken world, for many of us, like Laura, what it means to be human is to experience grief and pain and loss and sometimes it just seems so much more poignant we 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 feel it at the holiday time and if that's the case for you i just want to first say i'm so sorry but this side of heaven that's part of our human experience our the human existence you know um, we say we live live in the land of the living but really we live in the land of the dying don't we And what's so interesting about all of it, it's common to us, to all of us, grief reminds us of what we've lost. But you know, grief can also bring to mind what we never had. I saw that in my mom when her father died, my grandfather, he had had a really difficult life. He had been an alcoholic and somewhat abusive. And he never once, during my mom's whole life, was able to say to her, I love you. And she always would say, I love you, Daddy. And he would just kind of mumble something. Toward the end of his life, he was finally able to at least get out. She'd say, I love you, Daddy. And he'd say, you too, girl. That was the best he ever got. And when he passed, I saw my mom grieve the loss, but also the loss of what she never had, the father that she wished that she could have had. And maybe you've experienced that to, you know, Christmas is really a, a, about God entering that pain, entering our mess. If I've gotten too personal, I'm sorry, but I, I just, you know, I'm not very good myself at feeling my feelings. I don't know about you. A lot of us grew up in a family of origin where it wasn't really that safe to feel your feelings or you just didn't know how and Really, we're never given those soul words to really express what's going on inside of you. So maybe you're not very good at even knowing what it is that you're feeling. Between the Old and the New Testament, 400 years passed. And during that time, as God was silent, the Jews began to believe some false things about him. One of them was that he was really distant, that he was far away, that he wasn't very Interested in our daily life. And they even decided that his name was so holy and so set apart that you shouldn't say the name of God. And they wouldn't even speak his name. But Jesus, when he came to earth, he said something. He said, I am God and I come from God and I want to tell you something about God. He wants you to call him Father. To call him Father. And he used the word Abba which means daddy. He wants you to say, you're my daddy. You're my dad. He cares about us like that. You know, God, our father, he knows the agony of being a grieving parent, losing his only son whom he loved. Why did he lose him? It was for us. You know the verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, which we're all in the process of doing, but have eternal life. And one of the verses that so many of us know, Jesus was the most fully alive person to ever walk the planet. And yet the Bible says this, and I read this verse, and it just really stuck out last week. The Bible tells us he was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And for some reason, that little phrase, acquainted with grief, really jumped out at me. You know, I started thinking, what a strange little phrase, really. Like, hello, grief, glad to meet your acquaintance, you know? And the son of God, he should have been the last one, this ray of light, this ray of hope, this sinless one. But he came into our world on purpose, so that we might know him and he might know us by experience. God had seen our grief, but now he stepped in and he experienced grief with us, God with us. It's pretty profound. It's pretty astounding, really, that the God of the universe would humble himself. And he began to suffer just about as soon as he was born. His life followed a course of suffering until he died. He became intimately acquainted with grief. Now, he had times of joy, but he dwelt in sorrow and he dwelt in grief. No one ever suffered so much from so many causes or so constantly as he did. How do you handle grief? Jesus embraced grief like a welcome acquaintance. I don't know about you, but I'm not really that good at Welcoming grief into my life. I've not dealt with grief throughout the years of my life as a, an acquaintance, more like a dread enemy. You know, I feel like I'm going to die if I feel those emotions. So I'll try to stuff them away, try to distract myself, not in touch with my feelings. A lot of us were pretty good at secondary emotions. I was reading about this last month that we have these secondary emotions that are strong emotions that helped us survive as children. That's anger or hate, these strong emotions. And they're kind of an armored up emotion. They armor us and they're good emotions. You know, even God gave us anger as one of the stages of grief that we should be angry because he knows it's strong. It'll keep us on our feet. Otherwise we'd just be like, you know, jellyfish on the floor, you know, with no spine or anything. And and I want to say to you, if, if you have those as your primary emotions, that congratulations, you're a survivor. Other people would have just curled up and died if that had your life story. But it's time to get past that because those secondary emotions, those armored emotions, they always hide something underneath, the primary emotions, and those are vulnerable, really vulnerable. Anger a lot of times hides Deep hurt or fear. I've always had a lot of fear in my life, you know, and fear of abandonment or, or or fear of not being good enough or fear of not measuring up. And we have all of these things. Jesus on the cross demonstrated for us what it looks like to really feel our feelings. You know, if I had been Jesus on the cross, well, first off, I wouldn't have been on the cross because I would have just, you know, I would have said, Curse everybody, turn them all into dust, you know, if they're going to do this to me. But even with God, I would have said, my God, my God, I'm so angry at you right now. I don't deserve this. I, I, I hate you, God. But you know what Jesus said? He said, my God, my God, I feel so abandoned right now. He felt his real feelings, the feelings underneath the feelings. And it's so important that we take time to feel our feelings, especially at Christmas. God feels them. He's with you. You're not alone in it. C.S. Lewis, in his classic children's book series, The Chronicles of Narnia, in the little book, The Magician's Nephew, the main character is a little boy by the name of Diggory. And Diggory is grieving for his mother who's dying. And he's upset with Aslan, the great lion. You know, Aslan represents Jesus. And so he's upset. It's not fair that this is happening. And, And so Diggory begs Aslan. He says this. Let me just read it to you. But please, please, won't you? Can't you give me something that will cure mother? Up till then, Diggory had been looking at the lion's great feet and the huge claws on them. Now in his despair, he looked up at its face. And what he saw surprised him as much as anything in his whole life, for the tawny face was bent down near his own, and wonder of wonders, great shining tears stood in the lion's eyes. They were such big, bright tears compared to Diggory's own that for a moment he felt as if the lion must really be sorrier about his mother than he was himself. My son, my son, said Aslan. I know your grief is great. Jesus was well acquainted with grief. He lived his entire life knee deep in grief's waters. Ultimately, he dove deeper into it than any of us ever will to show us the way. And he shows us the hope. There's a glimmer of hope in this storm of grief. We won't drown because God is with us. That's the wonder of Christmas. Emmanuel, God's face bent down. If we could see with our spiritual eyes and we could see his face right now, he's not a million miles away. He's right there bent down towards you. And there's a great shining tears in his eyes, even more than your own. He sees every tear in the night. A lot of times we feel like God doesn't really see what I'm going through. God doesn't seem to really care. It feels like that we're struggling through difficult relationships or or, or challenging circumstances and hard decisions that keep us up at night or the loss of a relationship or the loss of someone dear to us. And maybe like me, you try to be strong for everyone else. Sometimes I even try to be strong for God, even though you're really falling apart. God doesn't need me to try to be strong for him when I'm going through a crisis. He's not surprised by my circumstances. He sees my fear. I still have a lot of those little boy fears. And and I've begun to realize that as I've gotten older. When we're in crisis, God sees our shattered dreams, our disappointment. He sees how afraid we are. And he knows how that crisis touches those old wounds that still fester deep down underneath. He sees us trying to hold it all together and trying to trying to be everything to everybody else. And he meets us there. He always meets me there. And he reminds me of who he is. He's still the God who sees me and redeems my story. You
1: know, God's seen every chapter of your life. He's seen the things that you celebrate and he's seen the things that you really wish you could forget. And he sees you right now. He sees the good things. He sees the excitement. He sees the challenges, the successes. He sees the fears that you have and, and the tiredness, the struggles that you're experiencing. And he sees every part of you. He knows you. He loves you. And when life is falling apart, his grip on you is stronger than your grip on him. And he doesn't intend to let go. He's never going to let you go. He will redeem your story. And that's what Christmas is about. That's why Jesus came. He came to redeem our story. 1 John 4.14 says, And we have beheld and bear witness that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. To save us. To redeem us. To be with us. He knows your every thought. He knows your deepest longings. He knows your every hope. And he knows the reality of your days. And he's here with you in it. He is Emmanuel. God With you, God with us. That word "Behold" in that verse is used over twelve hundred times in the Scripture, and it comes from the Greek word "edo," which actually means um, "be sure to see." And that's exactly what we want for you this Christmas. We want you to be sure and see that Jesus came to be your savior. The Bible says that he will make all things new. He restores lost time. He, restores, he bestows new identities. He creates new life. He offers new mercies every single day for you. He promises good plans for his people. He promises to a hopeful future for you and for me. And listen to Psalm 56:8. You keep track of my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. I love that verse. It reminds us of God's intimacy with us, that he sees what we're going through. He sees our pain and our sorrow, and he's aware of it. He doesn't question whether our feelings are valid. He just validates them because of his compassion. It says he catches every tear in his bottle. It doesn't matter how big or small or trivial or insignificant or important that sorrow might be. And I love that it says that God makes note. He writes it down. He makes note of every tear I shed and what was going on and how I felt and why I was crying. I mean, he makes note. Think about that for a minute. The God of the universe is making note of that tear that fell down your cheek. And when we make note of something, why is that? It's because we want to remember it, right? Because it's important to us. That's the same thing God's doing. He says, you're important to me. How you feel is important to me. Your grief is important to me. That tear is important to me, and I want to remember it. And so he writes it down. That tells us how much he loves us. He sees us, he hears us, he knows us, and he loves us to a depth that is incomprehensible to me. He's personal, and he's empathetic toward you.
0: As I was thinking about this service a few weeks ago, I I came across this verse that Laura just quoted. And, you know, I didn't want this to be a downer of a service. I want it to be Christmas and we're celebrating, but I also feel like it's just been such a strange time for all of us. And the grief seems overwhelming sometimes. And when I read that, you have collected all my tears in your bottle. I I thought I'd read all the Bible many times, and, and I'd never seen that verse before. And I said, Laura, did you know that God has a bottle? He collects our tears in a bottle. And she said, oh, I know. That's one of my favorite verses. And I was like, well, you never told me that one. You know, it's like, I didn't know that. And it's just astounding to me. God has collected and saved my tears. It touched me to the core. Tear bottles called lacrimatories, where uh, they were very common in the days of the Psalms. And what the mourners would do, they would have these little glass bottles and they would really put, they would collect their tears there. And then they had a little special stopper that went in the top that allowed evaporation still to take place and When their loved one had passed, as those tears began to evaporate, they would mourn until the tears were gone from their little bottle. And then they would know the time of mourning has passed. And God does say, I'm going to make everything new. I'm going to rewrite the story of the tragedy of this prodigal planet that's gotten so far from what I intended for it to be. The readers of the psalm knew exactly what the writer was talking about when he said, God catches my tears in his bottle. Tears are a language that God understands. Tears speak more about what our hearts feel than even any words could ever express or any prayer could ever speak to him. A tear stain on a letter. When you see that, it means more than even the words that are written there. A tear falling on a coffin says what a spoken farewell never could. What is there as a parent that catches your attention quicker than anything else? The tears of your child, the tears on their cheek, and you see that. What can offer more support than the tears on the face of a friend as you pour out your troubles to them? And when words just won't come, it's our tears that shout out to God. Tears are a language that God gets. He understands it. In fact, he's collecting every tear in his bottle, and he holds it next to his heart, and he has it there forever. He'll never forget our pain, our grief, our sorrow. Psalm 6.8 says, the Lord has heard my weeping. I want you to pull your phones back out. We'll get a little bit deeper. I want to ask you a, a few more serious questions, so turn on that flashlight again. Put it down against your leg. And let's just be really honest. We're going to turn the lights down a little bit so we don't really have to see each other's faces or know who's lifting their phones up. How many of you would say this past year, 2022, has been a really, really difficult year for me? Would you just lift your phone up? Yeah, so many of us. I know. How many of you are grieving the loss of someone you love this Christmas? Would you lift your phone? Yeah, just hold that light up. How many of you would say that one of your closest relationships is troubled right now? Many of us. How many of you are grieving the loss of a relationship right now? Okay. How many of you are out of a job this Christmas? Would you lift your phone up? I'm praying for you. It's such a hard time in our economy. How many of you would be honest right now and say, you know, I've just really been struggling with depression. Just lift your phone up. You know, I was looking at a survey of high school students. It was a huge survey and it said that 80% of high school students are struggling with depression right now. How many of you are struggling with feelings of shame, guilt? Would you just lift your phone up? And a really hard one. How many of you sometimes in these last months, this past year, there were times that you wondered if life is even really worth living? Would you just lift your phone up? I know, we're not alone. See, we're not alone. We're in this together. The Bible says, God heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. I wanna invite you To bring your tears to Jesus this Christmas. He's here. He sees you. He sees you. He knows what's going on. He sees the feelings underneath the feelings. Maybe all you've been able to express to Him so far is anger, or that's all you're expressing to your spouse or the people around you. But He sees the real fear, He sees the hurt. There's a tremendous power in being heard, in telling our story and being heard. In the ancient church, they had a thing they called the Liturgy of Tears. And I want us to take a few moments, and we're just gonna do that at Community of Faith in this service. The Liturgy of Tears. It's the ceremony of tears all over the room. And you'll see these little tables. They're here at the front, they're in the back, over on the sides up close to the where you are in the going up in the risers. And there's water, and then there's a bowl of salt, the salt of our tears. And what I want to invite you to do as the band begins to play, I want you to be courageous. You know, the ancient church, it, it seems so simple, but they talked about how profound it was, and it will be profound for you, I promise if you'll do it. But I want you to step up and step out to one of those tables. And there might be a line, that's okay. But when it's your turn, I want you to take a pinch of salt and I want you to say to the person that's standing there, we've got some of our members, some of our our, our great church community of faith is there at each table. And there are people just like you, just as dysfunctional as you. We're all in this together. But I want you to say, my name is Mark. And then say in one sentence what's causing you to cry. Like I would say, I've been having a lot of anxiety and depression lately. These are the salts. This is the salt of my tears. As you do that, they'll speak back to you. Just a liturgical prayer in just a moment and, and you'll be heard. Okay? In fact, Laura, why do you start us out? Show us what it is what it looks like.
1: My name is Laura. I've lost five friends in the last two months, four of them to cancer. These are the salt of my tears.
0: Laura, God sees your tears. May he strengthen and comfort you as we walk together. Thank you. That's simple. So as the band begins to play, I want to encourage you I know it's going to take courage. You say, well, I didn't plan to do that at Christmas. That's okay. What if I cry? It's going to be an ugly face. You know, this is a safe place. It's okay. Some of us, we need to feel our tears and it's okay. Just step up, step out, have the courage to do it. Like the ancient church did. Let's join them and say, this is the salt of my tears. And hear the church speak back. God sees you and we'll walk together, okay? So as the band is playing, would you just begin to move right now? You can move all around the room. You'll see those tables, see little candles. That's where they are. Go up to one of those and someone will meet you there. Let's begin to move even right now. take time for you you've got time there's plenty of time in a few moments Dana will come and sing a song over us we'll light our candles but right now this is the time for you to be heard for you to know for you to feel that God sees you that the church sees you that we're gonna walk together 2022, I lost someone that I love so much. Maybe it was even before 2022, and you still need to say it. 2022, I've been so mad at God. 2022, I've had so many fears. just seem to have lost my way. These are the salt of my tears. There's still time for you. God sees you, he's bending low, tears in his eyes, he meets you here, Emmanuel. everyone down this year I feel like I've strayed so far away I hurt some people in my life these are the salt of my tears Dana's going to come and sing over us about that holy night that changed everything. But as she does that, there's still time. All during this song, you can still come. You can still walk through the liturgy of tears. Dana, come lead us. He mm-hmm. Well, it's Christmas Eve and wonder of wonders God is bending low he's with us Emmanuel God with us may you experience like Laura the Christmas Jesus this Christmas I want you to stand I want you to pull out your candles Samantha's gonna come and lead us in silent night we're gonna sing it together as we lift our candles against the darkness so I- up against the darkness.
2: Silent. Silent.
0: Christmas community of faith, we love you so much. I hope you have just a fantastic Christmas together and a happy new year. We'll see you in 2023. We want to walk with you all year long. We're going to start in January as Laura and I uh, share a message, some messages about marriage and what we've learned in our 39 years of marriage. Some of them are really deep things that I, we've never shared before. So we want to share that with you and we're excited about it. And then we'll walk all through the year together and we'll see God do amazing things. Just be with us week by week and watch next year be a whole different kind of year. I love you, community of faith. We'll talk to you soon.